Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. Glory to Jesus Christ. Perfect, perfect. So, in um, probably one of the most well-known works of American literature, uh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Has anybody read To Kill a Mockingbird? I was remembering uh, a scene from To Kill a Mockingbird, and I can't, I, I didn't write this down correctly, I think, in my notes, but, but there's a scene where Atticus is teaching, you know, his daughter, uh, Jem, I think, right, Jem? I always get the name confused. He's teaching his daughter, um, to try to have empathy with people. He says something along the lines of, you know, you don't, you, can't, you don't really know somebody or their experiences until you like kind of get in their shoes. You know, we, and we kind of have that expression today, like walk a mile in, <laughs> in somebody else's shoes because it's said that when you do that, you gain a sense of, of empathy with the person and identification uh, with that person. And when we begin to share with each other, we kind of begin to see our own humanity. Like when we even begin to connect with people with different points of political views and religious views, we can still find some common ground in our, in our humanity. And there was a show on a while back, and I don't think it's on anymore, but what it did was it would take people from the opposing sides of the spectrum and it would bring them together over a meal. And over a meal they would sit together and they would talk together and they would talk things through and kind of find some common ground and learn to appreciate their common humanity. And I think in today's day and age, politically especially, when it's the temptation to just to vilify everybody we don't believe or we don't agree with, we tend to put them down. We tend to negate them. We tend to dehumanize them. But the scripture from reading from Hebrews says, as children, we all share in flesh and blood. We all share in flesh and blood. We are all human, which means that we all are born with like similar genetics, right? Our skeleton and, and all that stuff, it's all, it's all pretty much the same. We share in flesh and blood. And we see something pretty scandalous in, in the reading from the book of Hebrews especially, is that it says that Jesus shared in our flesh and blood. So we're going to talk about the incarnation this morning, uh, about the incarnation and the necessity for the incarnation, why the incarnation. And, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we have to remember that there's more to the story, right, than Jesus just dying and resurrecting. The incarnation is a vital part of the story of Jesus. And we heard in Hebrews chapter 2, 14 to 18, we, we heard a little bit about what the incarnation is. So let's talk about that. So the author of the book of Hebrews notes that Jesus does something that is fundamental to our salvation, right? Like I said, we are made of flesh and blood. We have veins, we have capillaries, we have a central nervous system. We have a skeleton that supports our frame. Our muscles connect to that frame. We have reproductive systems, a vision system, a hearing system, our senses. We can taste, we can touch, we can feel. We have a brain that processes, infor well, some of us do, have brains that process information. We are an amazing act of God's creative power. But we also have something nothing else in the created order has. We bear the image of God. As human beings, we are unique in all of creation. 
as cute as our kittens are and as cute as our cats are and as adorable as our puppies are and as faithful and wonderful as our pets can be, they lack something that we have as human beings. We are made in the image of God, not the animals. We bear that image. God says in Genesis, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. So something happens, though, in Genesis, right? That image gets defaced by sin. But we understand that that image of God within all of us is not wholly destroyed. But we have been enslaved to death, sin, and to the evil one who holds the power of both. The image of God that is within us is, is, is in need of healing. So we say, well, how is that accomplished? St. Athanasius, writing many, 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 many years ago, said this, what was God to do? Could he acquiesce in man's being deceived by the devil and losing the knowledge of God? But if so, what was the use of his having been made after the image of God? Better to have been made an irrational creature than to be created rational and then live the life of irrational creatures. Or what profit to God if men, his creatures, did not worship him? What then was God to do? Surely to renew the state of being in the image. And how could this happen except by the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ the very image of God. The way the image of God is restored in us, brothers and sisters, is through Jesus Christ. Jesus becomes human, and his act of becoming human is part of the restorative process to heal our souls. So when we are saved, when we are born from above, we are washed and renewed by the Spirit in the pattern of Jesus Christ. And this slavery terminology, right, and being enslaved to sin, this is analogous to which event in history for the people of God? Well, Exodus the Exodus, right? Egypt holds the people of God in its thrall. They live there. They're forced to work there. They're mistreated there. They're killed there. They're forced to work in a land that is not their own, awaiting the promise of God to be fulfilled, to lead them out of the land to where they came from. And then a deliverer comes, right? Moses. He leads them out of slavery through the mighty acts of God to the mountain of God, where God graces them with the law. Death is Egypt, a land humanity was never intended to inhabit. Sin keeps us there, so to raise us from death, we need that. We need that. And we brought that all upon ourselves, and, and God sends a deliverer. God comes himself to do what no other human corrupted by sin could do. And then it says that he was made like his brothers in every respect. So in 2012, have you ever heard of Coachella, the Coachella Festival? No? It's a, it's a giant arts festival. And uh, stick with me now. Dr. Dre and Snoop were doing a concert in 2012, and some of you are like, oh, Mike, come on. Stop. Oh, stick with me, right? So, <laughs> so at this festival in 2012, Dre and Snoop were having a concert, and I'm sure it was amazing, because if you grew up like me in the 90s, their music was everywhere, right? But, <laughs> but... Uh, in 2012, at this concert, they did something really interesting. They had a hologram of Tupac. They had a hologram of Tupac, and Tupac was part of the live concert. It was the first time in history, right, that they, somebody had actually taken a hologram of a person and integrated it into a live show. So even though Tupac was there, he wasn't really there, right, because he's dead. But he was there, part of the concert. It was really, really, really weird. And they've since gone on to do this with like Elvis and, and with other people as well. 
there are some false beliefs about Jesus that are kind of similar to this, right? That even though he was here as a human being, he wasn't really here. He was just sort of like a phantasm, just sort of like a ghost. But the scriptures don't leave this open as a possibility to us, right? To reinforce the point that Jesus Christ became fully human, the author of Hebrews says that Jesus was made like us in every respect, And St. Athanasius points out, God doesn't restore humanity by working outside of humanity, but by working within humanity. Hence, the incarnation, God becoming flesh. He becomes one of us to atone for the sin we all bear in us. We need someone who can make us right again, right with God and with one another. And who else could make us right with God other than God himself? And who else could make us right with one another except the perfect man? He is our perfect high priest. St. John Chrysostom wrote, for he saw us cast on the ground, perishing, tyrannized over by death, and he had compassion on us to make reconciliation, he says, for the sins of the people, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. What is faithful? True and able, for the son is a faithful high priest, able to deliver from their sins those whose high priest he is, in order then that he might offer a sacrifice able to purify us, For this cause, he has become man. Not only is his taking on humanity meant to be something he does to destroy death's power over us, but it is also to help us in our everyday tests and trials. Because Jesus is human, he is acquainted with all that it means to be human, with the exception of having been corrupted by sin. He experienced the hurts and trials that we as human beings experience, the highs and the lows, the joys and the sadnesses. That we feel. You know, at funerals, every once in a while, I'll talk a little bit about the resurrection of Lazarus, and we know in the story, Jesus gets told, Lazarus is sick, he's dying, you need to get here. Jesus is ministering, so he's like, I'll be there when I get there, and Jesus gets there, Lazarus has died, he's been dead for three days, I think, three days. So what does Jesus do in the story? He raises Lazarus from the dead, but before that happens, Jesus goes to the tomb, it's the shortest verse in the Bible, what does he do? He cried, right? It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept, right? When confronted by the presence of death, the author of life cries. The giver of life cries. The one who came as a human being to give us his life cries in the face of death. Because he, while being God, is also human. He weeps with them in their pain. And because Jesus wept, because of the loss of his friends, all of humanity are his friends. And his love for his creation gone awry is his motivation for his incarnation. Right? We got to be careful that Jesus doesn't come to save us from God, from God's anger, right? Jesus doesn't come to save us from God's anger. We have to be very careful. Sin does make, does right, irritate God, right? Sin does anger God, but Jesus doesn't come to save us from God being angry at us. Rather, he comes to save us from death through an act of love by becoming one of us and undoing in a human being what a human being bound us to. 
St. Nicholas Cabasilas reminds us, he does not merely bestow a crown or give them some share in his glory. He gives them himself, the victor who is crowned with glory. When we come up from the water, he's talking about baptism, we bear the Savior on our souls, on our heads, on our eyes, in our very inward parts. Him who is pure from sin, free from all corruption, just as he was when he rose again and appeared to his disciples and he was taken up, he will come again to demand the return of his treasure. We have to remember, brothers and sisters, and I know I'm throwing a lot of theology at, at you today, but I mean, you can handle it, right? Because it's the, the right season for it, I think. We have to remember, right, when Christ is raised from death, right, at the, three days later, he walks out of the tomb. Right? As Christians, we believe this really happened. It's not a metaphor for something. We believe that Christ actually accomplished this. When he is ascended to heaven, does he leave his humanity behind? No, all right? When he ascends, his resurrected humanity and his divinity, both, right? So he is still both human and divine. Now, you might be thinking to us, that's great, Pastor Mike. That's wonderful. What does it mean for me for my everyday life? And I'm glad you asked that because sometimes we need to hear stuff like this, right? Because good theology, good, strong, historic Christian theology leads to doxology. Doxology is giving glory to God. Sometimes we just need to be hit with the depth and the reality of what the incarnation is, of what is going on kind of behind the scenes, the whys and the what fors. We need to hear that. Because not every sermon, brothers and sisters, is going to be a, a list of applications. Right? I'm teaching you, I'm preaching you all this, so you can go home and do A, B, C, and D. That's not always the point of preaching. That's motivational speaking. If you want that, go listen to Tony Robbins or something. We can get application right from the sermons, but that's not always the reason why we come to church. We need to hear this because it moves us to doxology. It, when we are encountered by the mysteries of the incarnation, when we are confronted by the mystery of the resurrection, when we are confronted by the mystery of the sending of the Holy Spirit, when we are confronted by the mysteries of everything we celebrate when we come here to church, we, when we are confronted by those realities that should lead us and drive us to doxology, that should leave us and drive us to worship. Good theology leads us to good and right worship. And that's what this story of the incarnation should do for us today, brothers and sisters. As we hear the wise, as we read the scripture, as we hear from the saints of the past, we understand what we might not understand, but what we can do even when we don't understand is fall to our knees in gratitude and thanks and worship the one who became one of us, to save us. So we could identify with him and he could identify with us. And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who took on humanity to save us out of love, be all glory together with the Father and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to check us out online 
zionstoneucc.com or on our Facebook page, zionstoneucc. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman. If you want to get a hold of me, shoot me an email at malandsman at gmail.com or through our social media page, like I just mentioned. If you could take a couple minutes, we would appreciate it if you went to a GoFundMe we've set up, gofundme.com slash savezionstone in order to donate towards some big repairs that we need to have done to the church. So if you could donate anything, we would greatly appreciate it. If you're in the area, come worship with us. Our services are at 1015 and our Sunday school is at 9 a.m. Thank you so much again for listening. May God bless you. Thank you.